0: We're starting a new series today called All In. And so as we begin this, there's a little bit of housekeeping we need to do. So to start off, uh, all in means two things. One, it means all in for myself. This is the time that the board has um, graciously uh, allowed me to humbly present my vision for the church. And so I'm going to spend the the month of June talking about and and speaking to how I see the church uh, in all capitals, Big C Church, the corporate church, uh, church overall, and and to Little C Church, meaning the local church, the gathered church, Parkway. And, And so we're going to talk about that, and that's, I'm all in, but at the same time, it's all in because all of you are involved, We're going to look at where Parkway is right now, where I think uh, God is leading me to. And I, I pray and believe that God is leading your heart to the same place. But this is our church. It's not my church. It is our church. That we are in this together. We are doing this together. That we are God's people, guided and led by him. So the first thing, and I have a a bit of a list we're going to go through uh, of some announcements first before I even get to the sermon. But the first thing I want to hit is transparency and openness. I I want that to be um, a descriptor and a marker of my leadership. And so with that, uh, I want to do this housekeeping and and letting you know that we haven't been hiding things that are are happening. We're not trying to have a secret agenda. We are going, because I really feel like we've been kind of quiet, meaning myself and the leadership team and and the board of directors on what's going on. Because behind the scenes, there's so much going on. Uh, COVID has really spun the church as a whole across the world, and we're grappling with what that looks like and what that means. And so um, I want to spend some time and just kind of catch you up on what's happening so that you're on the same level uh, playing field as us. So the first thing I want to note is this. We have um, hired a, a new youth pastor, now, some of you would say, I didn't even know we were looking for a youth pastor. And you're right. We, we hadn't opened up about that. Not in any hidden way, um, but what we've done is we've hired um, a fresh out of Bible College student named Gavin Petter. And he's actually going to be staying in Toronto and doing online youth ministry for 10 hours a week. We feel our youth ministry is... is So important, and we don't want to lose any momentum or connection with our students, and unfortunately, I'm not able to continue doing youth ministry while uh, being in this interim lead role. So we've hired Gavin, and our intention is that once we resume physical ministry, we would be able to bring him on and bring him to Ottawa, but that is at a future time, so for right now... Gavin is our online youth pastor, so there won't be a time to bring him on camera to do meet and greet. I would love to do some Facebook or Instagram photos, and we've got uh, a new, we'll call it pilot program that I'm working on with Becky Lubbers called the People of Parkway, and it's a new take on the meet and greet, and we want to work on the connection, meaning the connection of us behind the camera, you behind the camera, just the connection of our local church. Because as we sent out a survey uh, in the last week, there have been people that have responded back saying that we feel less connected. And so we want to work on that. We want to innovate. We don't want to react anymore. We want to move into the new s- next season and, and be strong and healthy and, and vibrant. And so we're looking at new ways to connect um, So part of that is making sure our youth ministry is strong, and so we've brought Gavin in for that. Second, I want to address Pastor Michael Versluis and appreciation for him. We still truly believe that meeting face-to-face is the best way to honor him. He spent 10 years working in and amongst us, and to just do a thank you and farewell from a camera is not honoring to him, his spirit, and and what he poured into Parkway. And so we are going to wait until physical ministry can resume to honor him and and invite him back and give him the send-off that he deserves. Third, I, I want to address finances. I know that's a question for some of you. That's always a haunting question as we're battling our own personal finances. But church finances, we're doing well. Which is an incredible blessing and act of God. And it is part of your faithfulness in your giving. Financially, we're down in our giving from what we were last year. But our expenses are down as well. And and we are slowly building a a slight income. a, A positive balance in our bank account which is a wonderful and beautiful thing. We're not worried about keeping the lights on. We're not worried about our staff. In fact, we've been able to hire a new staff. And that's a good and wonderful and a blessing. And we thank you for that. We've also been able to access certain grants from the government and wage subsidies and and whatnot. And that has helped keep us going and moving forward and preparing for uh, a return to physical ministry where we won't be incapacitated, but we continue to move and thrive. Um, I also want to uh, address the summer grants uh, for students. We were approved for two this year with uh, 40 hours a week, which is more than we've ever been giving, which is fantastic and wonderful. What to do with two students at 40 hours a week, we're not quite sure. So with different um, allowances from the government, we're actually going to hold on to one grant and use it at another time. And we're we're looking to tweak the other one. And so we'll keep you updated as that moves forward. But we were approved for those so we can look to do things around the church and the community. Uh, We've actually started not renoing, but updating, cleaning up the church, if you will. Um, We're going to post some pictures later, but what you'll see is it looks like the church is going through puberty. There is little white spots everywhere. We're patching all the holes and the cracks. We're going to put a fresh coat of paint on almost everything that we can. Um, We've gone down into the basement and updated it. It now has green and beige instead of all the funky colors on the wall that say, welcome to the I don't even know what it said. I painted over it. I've forgotten it. We've moved on. Uh, but we're going to hang some patio lights in it, add some green carpets. So it's got this kind of outdoor um, backyard feel, but it's this beautiful open space. We took the old nursery, ripped out the countertops and stuff, and we've made it into a, a boardroom, a meeting room. So we've got a big table in there and a whiteboard. Uh, we've put all our small group material in there and made kind of this nice little cozy reading grotto nook meeting place. We um, took Liz's old office, which was kind of a, a mishmash of a meeting room, a small group room, and it's got a fresh coat of paint and a fixed-up couch and uniform chairs and a big TV, and it's a beautiful place for small groups and meetings. And we're going to look at taking the foyer and making it a little more inviting as well. Um, as part of my vision, uh, I believe in what's called the third place. It's something Starbucks did, um, oh man, maybe eight years ago. If your first place is your home and your your second place is your job, where's the third place we would find you? And that's what the concept that Starbucks took and they really dove into it. And that's why we'll see people always at the same Starbucks, why it's always so packed. It's their place. And so I really want to take Parkway and make it a third place. Not that we're here every night of the week. That's not healthy in life or ministry. But where would we find you? What's your third place? Well, it could be your Parkway giving blood. It could be that you're serving, that you're dropping off your kids, that um, maybe you're just hanging out in the foyer because you need uh, to—you don't want to go into the office, but you you don't want to work from home. We want it to be a, a place of connection, of community. Because that's who Parkway is. And so we're working on all these kind of renovation uh, spruce up ideas. And the most beautiful and wonderful part of it, it hasn't really cost us anything. We've been able to use scrap metal from when we tore out an old bathroom that was still in the church, hidden away as storage. And and that paid for the lighting in the basement. And then we had leftover paint and we've been repurposing furniture. And, And so the idea is just using what we have. So that when we return to physical ministry, we can say, welcome home. And it feels like our home. Uh, as I go down our list, uh, I want to address the AGM. We were supposed to be having our annual general, general meeting today. We were going to uh, vote on a couple things. We had board members we, uh, that need to be reelected. We had um, myself to be elected as staying interim or lead pastor, or where that would look like. And unfortunately, physical ministry has not resumed, and that hasn't been allowed. What has uh, started to happen through some board meetings is we're looking at what a digital AGM could look like uh, with mail-in ballots, with um, maybe a Zoom call. And so there's a committee being formed. And when we have more details on that, we'll bring it to you because we do need, we have a financial and legal obligation to have an annual general meeting. Uh, we've been given a continuance from the government until the end of 2020. So we have time to figure this out and, and work through our next steps and legal obligations. Um, I want to address some technical glitches. Uh, we've had some people call in and say, hey, Facebook and YouTube, they're, they're kind of cutting out. We can't hear what's going on. We're missing parts of the sermon. We're trying to address that. And we, uh, have, we love your feedback. We actually need more of it. It was one person who told us, and then I asked other people, including my wife, who then said, oh yeah, I, I lost two minutes last week. I'm like, why is nobody telling you this? We, we need your, your feedback. I, I see four people a week. Um, behind this camera. So if you have feedback, I'd love to hear it. With everything I'm talking about right now, if you have more questions, if you have concerns, we'd love to hear it. We want to connect and be a community. And so what we're going to do for the month of June is at the end of the service is we're going to leave five minutes of just um, an image rolling, but the, the feed will be live. And we want you to put your questions and concerns in there and we'll address them. Or feel free to call the church, email the church, call me, email me. I want this to be a dialogue. I want this to be connected because I said this is our church, not my church. And so we need to make sure that, or I need to make sure that I know your, your input and that you buy in because that ownership of not only this building, but this community is important to our survival and our spiritual health. If we don't buy in, if we're not connected, then we aren't a family. And we really aren't a church. We're just a club. And that's not what we're called to be in any way. Um, A return to physical ministry is next on the list. And I have a bunch of ideas that I keep putting towards the board. We're looking at different options. That's why we put the survey out to see what is crucial and important to you. And it was really divided. Um, our, Our congregation is fairly split. Some people are wondering why we aren't back now. Others are saying they won't come back until there's a vaccine. And so to put a baseline to this, until the government says we can come back, we're, we're not going to push or fight anything. Jesus says to honor the government above you, and that's what we will be doing. And, and, and until the government allows us, we, we won't be putting forth that we're starting. And then once it does, we're going to look at, is it actually best for us, both financially, um, health-wise, and just even spiritually for the people? Is it ready For us to just dive back in, or should there be a slower progression at a more natural time? So that's kind of where we're at for physical ministry. I know that's a little more vague, but there isn't anything concrete yet because we don't have any concrete action from the government of what we need to um, abide by. And until we can get that, we can't finalize any plans. Uh, My vision, we're going to talk about that. I've actually um, been talking about it for months and months, and then I realized when someone called, they said, Do you have a vision for the church? I was like, yeah, I talk about it all the time. But I realized I don't get to talk to everybody. And so that's why I've asked the board to take this month and go through it. And I realized I'm firing through a lot of information right now. And so that's why we're going to take a month to go through this. But also, please start the conversation. I know I've been trying to contact people since COVID has started, hear their opinions, hear their hearts. If I haven't reached out to you yet, I apologize. I'm working through the list. I've also tasked the board and the elders to continue to do that as well. We did it as a a check-in at the beginning of COVID, and now we're looking to move towards re-entry. And what does that look like? We are given an opportunity to address Things we like in the church, things we dislike, things that are spiritually beneficial, things that aren't spiritually beneficial, and we can come back stronger and refined is really the word I'm looking at. That we know what we do and why we do it, and we can do it well. So that we are spiritually beneficial to each other and then to the community around us. Um, I want to address my preaching a little bit. I've had some people talk that—or uh, communicate that I use big words, and uh, that has been me since Bible college. Uh, that is kind of who I am. When you talk to me, I, I like to read, and I, I read things above my reading level, and it, I need the sources and dictionaries sometimes to understand what I'm digging through. But I truly believe that the Christian culture— has a language that we've forgotten. There is a way to explain things of the church and of the spiritual realm and the understanding of faith that we've let go for simplicity's sake. Now, in no way am I saying that our church is going to move away or that I want to move away from reaching out to our community and those that are not in a place of faith, that have no relationship or connection to Jesus and God. But I do believe that if we talk about salvation, we need to understand what that word is and not oversimplify it that we can talk about confession and repentance and, and not look at these words as something that's confusing, but an understanding of this is a way we communicate with God and, and write ourselves, that uh, we um, are able to open up and express from our innermost being. So I, I do apologize if that has come and caught you off guard, but I encourage you to look up some of these words or question me on them. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to hear more. One of my professors in Bible college, and I I wouldn't be so blunt from my position, but in his, he was, he's like, if you believe everything I say and don't look at it or challenge it, he called us idiots. We were Bible college students. We were a little, we could have been smarter. That's why we went to school. But his point was this. Don't take everything that comes out of a pastor's mouth, but look through it, test it, challenge it, just as we're encouraged to do multiple times in scripture. And let that sharpen each other as you have that dialogue and conversation that we would become a more educated, a more knowledgeable, a more wise community and that we have a deeper understanding of God. Also, uh, I have a... Preference for, we'll call it exegetical preaching, meaning going through a book of the Bible and really tearing the meat out of it. I, I, I can do topical and I will do topical because I believe we need a balance. That is actually something I would like to plan out uh, when we return to physical ministry is here is our preaching for the year. I believe every year we should do some exegetical, just taking a book in its entirety. I believe we should do some topical because we need to talk about current events and how faith and scripture apply to it. We need to talk about sex, love, marriage. That is something we constantly struggle with and are hopefully pursuing. Um, We should talk about finances. We should talk about spiritual health. And I think we need to look at our preaching diet and know what we're going into that we can pray into it. That you, you know that you can invite your neighbor, your family, your friend to it. Uh, we, as a culture, are very branded. You know what toothpaste you buy. You know what type of deodorant you're always going to buy. You know what clothes you buy. You know what underwear you buy. You are associated to brands. But are you... And you know your brands because we're very conscious about them. Like, I don't want to wear this brand because of this, but I do want to wear this brand because of this. But I I would question and wonder, do you know what the Parkway brand is? Are you proud of it? Do you own it? Do you wear it? Would you share it with a friend? We share music. We share podcasts. We share TV shows. You have to watch this. I loved it so much. I want to share it with you. Do we do that with our church? If we have a preaching series and we know what it's going to be over the next year, we can invite people to it and say, you know what, you're really interested in this topic or you're struggling with this and we've had this conversation. You know what, in a couple weeks we're going to talk about that. Why don't you listen to this podcast or come on a Sunday that we share the Parkway brand because we know it, we believe it, we own it. And I believe that's very important to a church's identity. Um, I, I want to address also summer camp. Um, there may be an opportunity in July and August to run a day camp. Now, in our survey— the vast majority of you don't feel like we should be doing such a thing. And so uh, myself and Bonnie Lubbers have actually reached out into the community because we came across an article of an autistic respite camp that doesn't have a location anymore, and we're hoping to bring them in and see if that might work. So if you know of other opportunities where we could use our, our building um, because you as the people aren't comfortable being here, we want to make sure we're still a resource to the community. Um, So let us know about that. And then VBS or Vacation Bible School or Parkway Summer Camp, however you want to phrase it, because we've gone through a a series of names. We're looking at how to do that as VBS in a box. Um, We know and understand that you're fatigued with online. We all are. We spent so much time in in screen time and absorbing with Prior to COVID, everyone was talking about we need to downplay that. Even your iPhone or your computer now will tell you how much screen time you've spent each day or each week in an attempt that we would lower it and then COVID hit and we just Dove in. And so we want to help lessen that a little bit. And so instead of putting your kids in front of more screens, we're looking at how can we make VBS and something that you take home. And there might be like a five minute instructional video, but there's more hands on, tactile, tangible things. And so Pastor Mike's been working really hard on that. And so that's something we're hoping to launch in July. So. That's my spiel for today of just items that we're looking at, addressing. Uh, we've been going through. And if you have questions, want to know more, call, write, email. I mean, I love getting letters. If you want to send us me a letter, that'd be fantastic too. Uh, but like just connect. We're a community. And that's where we should be and where we need to be. And that's where I hope to bring us to as I continue to lead Parkway at this time. That being said, I I do have a message and want to take my vision and put it into message form that I'm not just talking about my beliefs, but I can root them in scripture. And uh, hopefully you see my heart and where I feel the Father's leading me. Now, we're going to put a slide up right now, and it it shows two uh, images. It says, American Sermon and and Jesus Sermon. And and that's really where I feel I am right now, as I'm trying to take vision and make it a sermon, and even just all the stuff I went through. The American Sermon is very three-point. We go, here, item one, item two, item three. Let's action it out, take it home. Yet, when you read scripture, as Jesus preaches, he's kind of like, this connects to this, which goes to this. And maybe I'll talk about this one, but we're going to go back here. And it's this roundabout, but it's always about the kingdom of God and, and how we are connected to the Father. And so uh, if today or the next little while feels a little disjointed, I really hope that by the end of part four, I'm just titling, titling these part one, two, three, and four, that there's a unity and I can sew this all together and you can understand my heart for the church. And my heart also for Parkway in particular. So let's start with this. I'm going to pray and dive in and see where I get to. And I promise I won't keep you forever. I understand I have an incredible amount of content. And uh, I don't want to overload and overwhelm you. Bow your heads with me. Father, we ask you to lead and guide us. Pour your spirit out upon us so that we would be challenged and guided by you that our hearts would soften and our eyes would be open, our ears would hear, that we would know what your spirit is saying as we come together as one body, as one church, as Parkway. We would know our identity. We would know who we are as a people and our brand, that we would take this out into the world, representing you and our congregation and believing, believing in you, O oh God that you have a heart and a passion for us in this world, and that it is our joy and our pleasure to share the gift of the gospel, the good news that there is hope and there is promise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to start, and I'm going to carry through this a little bit, of Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. This seems a really weird spot, maybe, to figure out vision or speak about vision for a church. But it says this, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my Spirit. This set of verses was spoken over us at Bible College for four years. A continual reminder of who God said he would be in an age to come. And specifically, the age we live in now. It is a proclamation of the Holy Spirit coming upon the people and speaking vividly, boldly, and unmistakably. It declares that no one is to be excluded when God comes into the hearts of all people. This says verses has guided and haunted me in my years since Bible college, and I truly believe it drives my vision for the corporate church, meaning big church. When I say corporate church, this is would be spelled out all in capitals, and there is a large distinction here because we are to have a heart for the church of the world of the different nations of North America, of Canada, of our province, of our city. I mean, we are one church in a city of hundreds, not hundreds of people, hundreds of churches. And so we need to make sure that we know what the Father says about that, but then we also have our local church, which is the gathered church, and Parkway specifically, and what is our specific mission? as the people of God, which we are not, we are the Gentiles as you read scripture. We are also the children of God, but that comes later. I'm going to speak a little more on that. But as the people of God, the Hebrews, the Israelites, the Jews, they had laws handed down to them from God through Moses on how they were to worship, how they were to approach and appeal to God. This set of verses is part of the change that comes in Jesus of Nazareth. When it is poured out on all people, it changes the dynamic of how things were done. It allows us a freedom to approach God through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That anyone is able to come. Not just the priests, not just the holy, not just the religious leaders, not just the kings, but anybody. Because it says that young men will dream dreams and old men will have visions and, and every male and female servants in those days. That means everybody has access, because the Spirit is poured out upon them. Now, this should be cause to celebrate a a joyous change of freedom away from rules and laws, but instead, what we found through centuries is actually humanity infighting on how best to follow the path set by Jesus. Now, I have no intention to say that I know the best way, that I have higher insight or greater insight into the heart of the Father. What I do intend to say is that I believe God has given me a vision and a heart for what Parkway Church could be. And I am honored to share that with you. And my hope and my prayer is that the Holy Spirit is actually speaking to you in the same manner that he has spoken to me, that our hearts would be in agreement that we would be able to quote Psalm 133, verse 1, in how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Above all else, that is my heart for Parkway, that we would dwell in unity. Not uniformity, that we all believe and think and act the same way, but in unity, that we are joined by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in pursuit of the kingdom of God and sharing the gift of the gospel to the world, the good news of hope, of intention, of purpose. I believe the gathered church, that is the local church, that is us, should be known and identified by four specific things. That we are prayerful. That we are forgiving. That we are repentant. And that we are family. There are a million things we can be known by. But our our presence goes before us. We are known in the community as soon as our name is mentioned. What are we known for? We need to hone that, refine that, be specific so that when people hear of Parkway, we've directed the conversation and they aren't just picking anything to say about us, but we are intentional. I believe that as a people that is prayerful, forgiving, repentant, and a family, we are building the kingdom of God and we are presenting a church of hope of intention, and of promise. John Mark Comer says this. I've really gotten into his teachings lately, and um, this one hit me fairly hard, and I had to look it up. And so I challenge you to, to look this up if you disagree with it. Anything I say, I challenge you, look it up in Scripture. Test what I say that is true, that it is from the heart of God, that the Spirit is speaking through me. Because I am still human. I will make mistake. But if you test what I say and find that is scripturally true and relevant, that brings us to a closer place of unity, working together for the kingdom of God. But John Mark Comer says this, Now we all know we are born bent, broken a little, with different weaknesses and shortcomings. Here's the problem. Most of us define ourselves by these struggles. We hear things all the time like, I'm depressed, or I'm obsessive-compulsive, I'm not a happy person, I'm an addict, I wish I was more like so-and-so. And And sometimes the church backs up these fatalistic lies about identity. Here's one of the most common heresies in the church. We are sinners saved by grace. Sounds true, right? I remember hearing that in sermons, books, songs, and conversations everywhere. But did you know that it's not true? The Bible never calls us sinners saved by grace. In fact, fi- the Bible never, one, never, not once, calls followers of Jesus sinners. The word is used all the time, and in particular by Jesus, but it always speaks to those outside of faith. That struck me. That was a little hard to swallow. I've always heard sinners saved by grace. I need to make sure I remember that I'm a sinner. So here's some scripture of what Jesus actually calls us. In 1 John 3 verse 1, we're called children of God. It says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. In Ephesians 1 verse 4, we're called blameless even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 calls us chosen. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous 1 Peter 2, verse 9 also highlights that we are God's special possession. Again, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Revelation five ten calls us priests, and it says, "And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth." And First Peter verse, uh, chapter two verse ten calls us people of God. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, I, I know I said earlier that we are not people of God. And, and my final reference here just says that we are people of God. But here's the thing. In the Old Testament, we are never the people of God. That is the Jews, the Hebrews, the Israelites. And, and in the New Testament, we are the people of God, but only after Acts chapter 2. When the Spirit comes in wind and fire, and Peter preaches to everyone gathered, and they hear the gospel in their own language, and at the same time... Meaning that every people, all the people gathered in different languages and different cultures heard the same message from Peter at the same time. This was a big moment. This is when the Gentiles became the people of God because it references all the way back to Joel where the Spirit of God comes out on everyone. On all flesh, servants, male and female, young and old. This is a change. Now, knowing our identity, our identity, because this is what Joel speaks to, our identity. Who are we as God's people? Knowing our identity sets the stage for where we go next. And this is how it all ties into me giving my vision to you. I believe working on and refining our identity as Parkway allows us to know where we're going to go next. Next. So here's the thing. Jesus presupposes we live in a world where God's will is not done. Jesus knows we live in a world where God's will is not done. Because could we say that the evils of mankind—rape and murder and genocide and famine, poverty, disease and death— would we say those are the will of God? Absolutely not. Evil is the result of human and angelic rebellion against God. So what do we do with these things? We pray for things in God's will or in Jesus' name. Now, to pray in Jesus' name, just as he teaches us to do, he says in in John 14, verse 4, if you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. And later he says, the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So what does it actually mean to pray in Jesus' name? Well, in Jewish culture— and Jesus was a Jew. Again, this is where we got to look at that Old Testament, New Testament time. In Jewish culture, your name was attached to your nature or your character or your personality. Your name was a large part of your identity. And Jesus' name is not a magical formula like Jesus, uh, like Open Sesame, that things just happen, that boxes open, that everything just in Jesus' name, poof, it's, it's magic. Or, and it's not just religious liturgy. Like too often we can say a prayer and then we just finish it with in Jesus' name. But to pray in Jesus' name is to pray in alignment with his heart. To pray in harmony with his desires and hopes and plans. To make requests Uh, or when you make requests, you know that you are in line with God's will. It's not a cosmic vending machine, but to pray in Jesus' name says, I am with you. I identify with you. I am alongside of you, and I understand you. Prayer can really become callous or an immature attempt at controlling our environment where we just add in Jesus' name because we want something and we will it rather than the Father wills it. Rather, it should be a passionate partnership with God to bring about his kingdom on earth. A vending machine prayer would be like, God, my marriage is a wreck. Fix my marriage and make me happy with my spouse. But a prayer in Jesus' name would sound like, God, my marriage needs your Holy Spirit. Please transform me from the inside out and help me to love my wife. Do you notice the difference? It's subtle. But it's a huge difference. Who are you identifying with? Where do you find your identity? Within your own heart or within the Father? Because that's what Jesus says. That's what Jesus does in Jesus' name. And he says, I am of the Father and I can do nothing apart from the Father. Which means he is in complete unity with the Father's will. So we must align with that when we use in Jesus' name. Now, as I said, in Jewish culture, your name was attached to your nature or your character, your personality. And this applies directly to us, because in Romans 8, verses 14 to 16, it says this. For all are led by the Spirit of God, or sorry, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children of God, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. This was the first tattoo I got, it sits between my shoulders. And it speaks of identity. Who am I? I am a child of God, adopted into the family, brother with Jesus. I am part of that. And so if I am going to go forward in that family and use that family name, what am I putting forward? Am I in alignment with it? Is my identity the same as Jesus and the Father? Or have I taken my own personality and set a schism? To pray in Jesus' name is to pray into our family, our unity. Because think about it, we are all, this verse says, we are all, if we take Joel and we unite it with this verse in Romans, we are one family together, the Spirit poured out on all of us, unified by that same Spirit coming to that same table as we did in communion. So to pray in Jesus' Jesus' name is to pray into our family, our unity, and a family name that has actually lasted generations with a precedence and an expectation that precedes it. To pray in Jesus' name means something. It means something to you when you take ownership, when you believe it carries weight, too often when we add it as attachment, Jesus' name isn't to be added on. It, it's the intention that we started with. It's just a sealing of what we were already pouring out. That in Jesus' name, I can add my family name to this because I know it's an alignment of who my family is and who my family has been. I wrote this statement and I, I, I hope and, and pray that it is something you are connected to. I said, I believe in the one who has come before me and whose name I bear because he has found me worthy of it. Let me say that again. I believe in the one who has come before me and whose name I bear because he has found me worthy of it. Identity. Its importance runs so deep. Let's go back to Joel for a moment. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. These verses speak of our identity. That our young and old are, in unite, are united in hearing from God that male and female have the spirit poured out on them, that servants and elite have the same spirit poured out on them, that all flesh has the spirit poured out on them, that we are united as a family in our identity, as the people of God with the spirit of God poured out on us and empowering us to build God's kingdom here on earth in this community. So here's how I see this applied to Parkway in particular. I want to embed our identity within the community. One of the best tests to determine if a church is effective in its community is to imagine that your church ceases to exist. Parkway's gone. Now, not the building, but us as a people. Would the community as a whole, not one or two individuals, but would the community as a whole notice us not being here? Does our name precede us with an expectation? And if it does, is it a favorable expectation? This brings me to where I'm going to wrap this up and the beginning of my vision for the church. Church in the home and at home in the church. These are the words that God has been pouring into me as I have pursued this lead pastor position church in the home and at home in the church. It began with Carol Blackburn while her and I were working to develop the RLC branding. That's our small groups, our real life connections. Uh, we were trying to find the what are we inviting people into. And we came to church in the home. It was simple, concise, and, and memorable, and it speaks directly to our intention. We aim to bring church out of Sunday morning and into the homes of the community through small group gathering. This evolved for me with the addition of at home in the church. And it begs the question do you feel comfortable? Do you feel at home in the church? Both the building we call Parkway, but also your skin. Now, do you feel comfortable in this building and we're working on renovating it and, and being comfortable here to worship, to invite people into, but uh, in your own skin, as you are the church, you are the temple. Acts 7, 48 to 50 says, But the Most High God does not live in houses made by human hands. As God says through the prophet, Heaven is my throne, the earth is under my control. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Where will my resting place be? Didn't my hand make all of these things? which leads into 1 Corinthians three sixteen to 17. Don't you know that you yourself are God's temple? Don't you know that God's spirit lives among you and you all together are that temple? These, verse, these verses speak to church in the home and at home in the church. Am I comfortable in my own skin being the church that I'm proud of it, to bear that image, to be part of that identity? We the people, not the building or the temple that God dwells within. Are we comfortable with that? Are we willing to take church out of the building and into the homes we built, the jobs we work at, and the communities we live in? Parkway has become my home, a place where I've begun to raise my family and a place I am proud of. It is a place I share about with excitement and enthusiasm. I believe my role here is to teach and equip, to give people the skills and the tools needed to share Jesus with the world. We, as the people, are called to bring the good news to the world, to be in the world, to love, and to care for the hurt and the broken. We are a people. We are God's people. We are the church. And our identity, it runs so deep. Father, guide us and lead us this day in knowing who we are and who we will be. That your name is of importance to us and it carries weight. Thank you for adopting us. Thank you for taking us in to let us be your children and joint heirs with Christ. Guide us in your kingdom as we seek to build it on earth. Amen.